welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 98, I'm jolly joined by Irish Senior Women's International and now professional soccer player Chloe Mustaki. On this episode, we discuss her journey to become an elite level footballer, beating cancer and an ACL tear. We also discuss resilience, success and so much more. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with Chloe, so I hope you enjoy. Hi Chloe, thanks a million for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You've had a massive few days since we've organised to record this. Congratulations on your latest news. Yeah, thank you very much. A uh, bit of a whirlwind past um, week, I, I, I could say. So, yeah, big change for me. Um, moving over to Bristol, playing full-time football, but it's all really exciting. You know, worked um, quite hard to get here. And uh, as they say, the, the hard work really only starts now. <laughs> Brilliant. For you growing up, Chloe, was there any particular player that or coach that had a massive impact on you at any stage in your career? Kind of looking back, is there anyone you can kind of attribute any any anything you could you've achieved now to to their help and, and their advice um the honest answer to that is probably no um I've never really had anyone that I've looked up to massively throughout my career or so far and um, I you know every coach has been um you know help to me you know on the way to getting to where I am today um, you know, I started off playing at Park Celtic with, um, you know, w- with a boys club and a bo- um, at the time, you know, I was the only girl playing. So um, I did have a coach, uh, Ronan Reed was his name. I actually bumped into him uh, near my house a couple of weeks ago and I was, I was telling him I was chatting to, to Bristol City about a potential move and he was egging me on. So um, in a way, you know, I think he's had a, a, bit, a big impact on my career. You know, my mum's my stayed quite close to him as well over the years in terms of you know, just bring him up to speed um, on where I'm at. So, no, I think he's been great. But generally speaking, I think all my coaches have had some sort of impact um, on my career. But there's been no standout person, I think, um, to, you know, to be very honest with you. Yeah, I know for underage, you would have played with the boys and then you moved over to the women's side of things and you joined P-Mound at a young age when the league only started. When you look at that dressing room now and look back to the players that you would have been training with and learning from at the age of 16, how big is that for younger players to be? Like I had Karen Duggan on, her leadership, her her physical ability as, as well. How big is that for a younger player to, to kind of play above their age group and you see the benefits of that from your experience? Yeah, it's it is massive. Um, so yeah, when I you know when I first played for Piedmont in the first year of the women's national league, yeah, I had the likes of Karen Duggan, Sarah Lawler, Stephanie Roach, Anya Gorman, all of those you know massive players um, there to you know to 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 help me um, on my journey that was only kind of starting really at senior level. Um, no, it's it's really important, and you know you see it um, even in the international setup now with Vera, for example. Like we have a lot of young girls. Abby Larkin and um, 16, you know, 17 year old girls who are getting, um, you know, getting that experience, you know, from a very young age. Um, it is, you know, it is, it can be a bit of a sticky situation for girls that maybe aren't ready for it. And um, I think it's important to, to make sure that there's a, enough support around young girls so that they don't kind of, um, I don't know, get too overwhelmed by, by the circumstances and by their surroundings. But I think, you know, for the right individuals, um, you know, it's it's massive. And then, you know, being able to make your international debut at the age of 16, 17 is something that, you know, you'll 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 forever remember. So um no, it's massive and also being able to have senior players um give you that wisdom at such a young age is is really important for a long career ahead. That under nineteen team you're involved with, you were captain. Talk us through 
that team, obviously the, the first women's side at underage level to make it to the European semi-finals. How big was that for, for that year group as a team? I know for yourself, obviously personally it was a little bit tricky. You you weren't performing well and the underlying things going on. But how big was that for you to get to that stage of competition and kind of put women's Irish women's football on the map and realise we're not really just here to kind of participate. We're here to actually compete and, and, and push forward. Yeah, um, definitely one of the highlights of my, not only my football career, but my life to date and um, being able to obviously captain the under-19s team to European finals was unbelievable experience. Um, you know, if you look at that team now, so many of the girls are still playing, maybe not football, but sport at a high level. And it shows the drive, the hunger, the competitiveness that we had amongst that cohort of girls. Um, you know, in that specific uh, year. Obviously, we had um, some great coaches and staff around us as well, the two Daves, Dave uh, Connell and Dave Bell and Pat Meenan as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, you have myself, Claire Shine, Katie McCabe, um, all of us kind of, well, the few of us still in and around the senior squad, then you have Sarah Rose playing at a really high level over in, in Australia, AFL. And then um, Amy O'Connor is playing Camogie for, for Cork, I believe. Um, I think Megan Connolly might have been in the squad as well. She's obviously in the senior team too. So, um, you know, there's a lot of us who were there. Um, I think, you know, something I've talked about is when you get a taste of such high competitive sport at such a young age, it really, really does help you later in life. Um, and that's something I talked about a lot about, you know, getting through my injury troubles recently. Um, having had that taste of um, of you know elite sport at such a young age has helped me through uh, tough times. So yeah, and it was it was a fantastic experience. And obviously the the under seventeens had done it a couple of years before that with the World Cup. So to be able to do it at an at, at another age group was uh, was momentous as well. So yeah, it's definitely a a, a moment that will um, live in me forever, and I have fantastic memories from that tournament. I'm interested that you were um, mentioned about the lessons you've learned from elite sport has helped you in, in other areas of your life on and off the pitch. Can you explain a little bit about that for the listeners who might not? For myself, I've never been involved in elite or the word high performance environment. What, what are those lessons that you learned and how have, that, how have they helped you moving forward from that experience? Yeah, so in particular, um, you know, when I went through my ACL rehab recently, I was out for 18 months and, um, you know, there were a lot of, difficult moments throughout that period of time for me um and there were moments where I really doubted whether or not I'd get back to you know to playing football as as well as I had been playing before the injury and whether I'd get back into the senior team whether I'd ever kind of make it semi-pro or pro um and I think having had those memories and having had such highs um at a very young age and being able to taste that level of competitive sport um throughout my teenage years allowed me to kind of have that grit and that determination to to get back there and to experience those things again and I think that if I hadn't had those experiences when I was younger I would have found it a lot more difficult to push through the tough times during my rehab so from that perspective I think it really did help me through my injury to have had that kind of taste of of elite sport um before that as well I think a lot of athletes will say just having that resilience and um, you know you can I mean looking out the Euros you have two players within the first few days of the tournament that have torn their ACL I mean I, I think might have been confirmed that Simone McGill has, has torn her ACL um, obviously Alexia Patelis um, tore her ACL the day before and like you work 
for months and months and months to get to a major tournament like that and within the first 24 hours it can be taken away from you so you know those girls will have learned a lot through their years of of competitive sport and to be able to get them through this difficult time so it just it just teaches you resilience you know um experiencing lows experiencing tough times and then as well you know when I went through my Hodgkin's lymphoma and you know having had those those moments through sport um, it, it definitely probably did help me as well to, to get through that tough time. Absolutely that's something I wanted to touch on was when you go from such a high um, captaining your country and, and getting to the latter stage of a tournament to, to come back to as you say you go from the really highs to the lows as an as an athlete when your identity is so wrapped up in sport and when that identity is gone because you're you're not well or even with the ACL how does how does a setback or a challenge change your relationship with sport when you when your identity is is as a sportswoman even though as an athlete you know we try to have other areas in our life but we spend the majority of our week training or preparing how is that how does that relationship change with sport yeah I think you just touched on it there I mean that's something that has always kind of in a way worried me about going full-time and it's kind of funny talking about now because I've just decided to to, to, to do that but um I hope you know over the coming months to kind of dabble in other areas and, and the extra time that I have find other outlets um to keep me sane through difficult moments that I'm sure we will have throughout the season so I think it's important to never kind of dedicate your life 100% to one thing it's important to kind of um have as I said other outlets and um, have a good support system and be able to find enjoyment in other things um because it's never going to be plain sailing um in one area of your life so to be able to lean in on whether it be people or um other extracurricular activities or anything like that and they can just kind of take you away from tough times and um, it is really important so yeah I mean that's something that I definitely um will, will look to do but yeah I mean when I went through the Hodgkin's lymphoma treatment, when I went through my ACL rehab, um, they were both extremely difficult moments in my life. But being able to, you know, to, to dabble in other areas that I had never experienced before or to be able to spend more time with my friends or anything it may have been. Um, it's just important to kind of find those different outlets that'll that'll kind of distract you. Did you ever develop a negative relationship with sport, particularly, let's say, with the injury because it was sport related was that ever a time did it ever go negative for you or what was that experience like um it became not really it just became a massive mental um challenge for me uh, particularly through my ACL rehab definitely mentally um was a very very tough time not something I've even really kind of worked I mean not something I've even really worked through yet I think at this point like um I, you know, you talk about mental health um, and growing up, I would have luckily never kind of had any mental health issues. And then you think with my upbringing, education, everything, I've, I've had massive support around me the whole time. And then, you know, I get to the age of 25 and um, this injury, you know, strikes in, in my life and straight away, well, not straight away, but within a few months, I'm, you know, nowhere near as mentally strong as I really thought I was. So, um, it takes new challenges probably to 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 grow and to get stronger and that's what it is you know it's all about failing and and challenges and being able to kind of um, overcome them really kind of develops you as a person so everyone needs those um unfortunately to be able to grow as a person and um I've had you know quite two quite big challenges already which is which is good you know it'll only 
hopefully work in my favor going forward. Um, I think so. Yeah, but you know, first and foremost, it's about having the right people around you. Absolutely. Um, I, the word resilience, I think, strikes a chord with a number of different people. But for you, from all the setbacks you've had, what does that word mean to you? It's, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts um, over the past two years since my injury. And I think resilience, it's it's about how you um, react probably to something that, that happens to you, I guess. You can't affect um, what happens to you throughout life to an extent. Um, and it's not about thinking why me, woe is me. Um, it's about how do I how do I react? How do I bounce back from this? Um, and it's about doing that as quickly as possible. And, um, you know, when I tore my ACL, it wasn't, you know, for, you know, you have those five, 10 minutes where you cry and you, under, you, you know, try and figure out why it happened and how it happened. And then it's just about understanding, okay, well, what next? What do I need to do to get back as quickly as possible? So, um, I think reaction is uh, super important throughout life um, and those people that react in the most positive ways to things that happen to them have a more seamless um, transition uh, you know, throughout their lifetime. Everyone, as I said, everyone experiences tough times, how you bounce back from those. Brilliant. You mentioned the support you have from around you and I suppose being an athlete, it's amazing. You have this other connection with, with players and you share this experience and obviously ACL injury is unfortunately quite common, particularly for women. Is there any particular advice that you got before during the injury that kind of stuck with you or you found really helpful? I'm just conscious that I have a longer, young, younger players listening. Some are injured. I get messages sometimes from players that have, are in the middle of big injuries. Is there anything that just really stuck with you? You kind of think back on and say, geez, that really made an impact for me on this particular day or this particular week? Um. I, to be honest, as weird as it sounds, I really took solace in the fact that I knew a lot of people who had torn their ACL before and were back playing to, you know, their absolute best. I mean, I take Brianna Jarrett as an example. When I tore my ACL, she was, you know, flying at Brighton um, at the time and she had she had torn her ACL, I think, three times um, at that point. And look at her, she was in the form of her life um, and, and, you know, doing fantastic things over in WSL, killing it with the Irish team. And I think, I, you know, I look to people like her to feel like, you know, if they can do it, there's no reason why I can't do it. And um, so that was the kind of the, my first reaction. I think, I guess when you're going through a difficult time like that, you also need to realise that it's it's about making the most of it. And um, so, you know, while I had to take time out of competitive sport, it was an opportunity for me to work on myself in ways that I never had the time um, to before. So not just from a physical component, but obviously mainly from a physical component, working on those small details um, that, you know, when you're in a team environment, you just don't have the time to do on an individual basis really as much. So, you know, being able to work on certain muscle groups or anything like that, that I wasn't able to do before and, and just making the most of it and making sure that when I got back and when my knee was ready to play competitive sport again, that I was in the best physical shape that I really could be. Um, so that's probably what I would say mostly is just making the most of the time out that you have and not not seeing it as lost time uh, because if you put in the if you put in the extra work when you're on the sidelines you'll reap the rewards on the other side. That's a great way of looking at it. I was interested as well. You spent a bit of time uh, as a pundit. How did you find being on that side of things, looking at the game from a different angle, analyzing it? not even just for to discuss the game but for yourself was there anything you kind of learned from that experience I I suppose I, I'm currently going through a big injury kind of the latter stages of it and I've started coaching and it's like you get this 
360 view of the sport that you're so used to only having that 180 on the pitch view was there anything was there any moment that you had that realization or something you picked up on from your time watching the game from a different angle um honestly not particularly I mean I for me um for me the biggest thing that I got out of punditry was being able to be involved continue being involved with the sport um indirectly as such um so that was massive for me just from a mental perspective being able to still watch on um you know specifically the international team being able to somewhat be involved in the hype and um, that was so so important to me for, for a mental perspective I think uh, I guess having you know looking on the game from um from the stands as such although it was the studio um was beneficial as well to to an extent I mean something that I haven't done much of to uh, you know at this point because I have been playing at a, mostly at an amateur level is kind of video analysis and um, looking at it from a broader perspective so that was that was really you know interesting for me and understanding kind of phases of play and, and looking at formations and everything like that so that was an insight into the game that I'd never really had before and um, mostly because I was working full-time I was training and I just didn't have the time to put into kind of analysis and obviously that's something that I'll be able to do a bit more this season now um, but no, not really. Kind of it was more so for me, just you know, being able to stay involved um, in the international setup to an extent um, while I was injured. I want to ask you about that. How, how, you know, during the Women's National League, how do you balance playing a very high level of football with huge commitments as well as full time work and all the travelling? And it must have been mentally and physically draining. Yeah, it was exhausting. <laughs> um, like. I mean, I talked to some of my friends in Ireland who do it as well. And like, it's, it's really tough. Um, and I've openly said before, like when I was living in London and playing for Charlton, I was working full time and I was getting the tube a few hours a day and I was traveling, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that that was a massive contributing factor to tearing my ACL. Um, your body is not conditioned to sleep six hours a night, work a full day and, um, you know, travel two to three hours a day and then push itself on a pitch for you know two two and a half hours or gym pitch whatever so um it was extremely difficult the past since starting that back in 2019 um it's been a really difficult few years for me obviously I went through my ACL rehab but I was I was still working full-time I was still pushing myself in the gym and so to be honest to be able to just take a step out of full-time employment um, as of last month and now be able to dedicate myself to football is an incredible feeling and um, it's I just don't think it's healthy for anyone to be you know to be doing that um, unfortunately it's still a necessary process for a lot of a lot of females and males um, but particularly females when the sport is not as developed and um, you know financially we need to be able to live so um it, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend doing it for a prolonged period of time. As I said, I think it was a massive contributing factor to me tearing my ACL. Um, but needs must and sometimes it's the only way for, you know, to be able to get to where you want to go. From your experience of playing abroad, uh, is there anything that they do particularly well over there that the Women's National League can adopt? And particularly from an angle of developing players to have the opportunity to go abroad. We've mentioned the, some of the younger players, you know, that talented under 17 and, and under 19 teams. Is there anything that you've seen that you'd like to see the league implement to help create this new path for professional players so they don't have to go through that process that you, that you went through and you attribute now to your ACL injury? 
Yeah, well, a lot of what a lot of what other European countries are doing is that they're mixing kind of education and football together. So there's a lot of countries, the likes of France, and um, for example, where the girls are living together and going to school together and training together in the afternoons. So the girls will go to you know go to class in the mornings from whatever it may be nine to twelve, and they'll have lunch together and then they'll train together in the afternoons. And um, obviously, to an extent, their education is tailored. But they still come out, you know, the other end with, you know, leaving cert, GCSEs, a degree um, and have, you know, from a football perspective, are fantastic players. So that's ultimately where we need to get to. I think we're a long way away from that in Ireland. Um, at the moment, what we really need in Ireland is just kind of more resources. And um, we need kind of better monitoring, better um, S&C, better, just better resources, better everything um from even just training in the evenings uh, and then we need to look to kind of combining the two um in in a few years time but yeah we really just need resources so that everyone is kind of doing the right training because right now everyone is doing their own training showing up doing an hour an hour and a half on the pitch a few times a week and it's just it's just not enough unfortunately so yeah we just we just need more resources which hopefully will come um, in the coming years Absolutely. When you get to such an elite level, uh, as Board, I know you're a fan of the High Performance Podcast and something they, they referenced was world-class basics. Is that yeah. something that you've kind of seen from your time is when you get to such an elite level, say the Irish senior women's team, do you practice the basics or is it just something that everybody just has at that point? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, before training, it's you talk about basics before training, just doing some prehab work. I mean, it's my might, might seem insignificant but it, it it absolutely isn't even from a mental perspective knowing that you've got your muscles primed to train um at a, at a high level is is massive and a lot of things are physical but a lot of things are mental as well and um, so yeah just making sure you get there early and get do your stretch and do your foam roll and do your band work all those little things just doing them daily and um, make a massive difference um in the end so and that's something that I definitely practice every day before training um, and the girls do it here as well at Bristol and all, all the top sides do it. So and it's about doing something kind of consistently, maybe small, but just doing it every day. And at the end, it's, it's a big leap. Is there any particular underrated skill or attribute you see in the game at the moment that maybe coaches or younger players or anyone in general is just maybe overlooking from your perspective? Is there anything that just stands out? Um, I think it probably just would be that. It would be um, just... Con- consistency it's all about consistency unfortunately so you have to have the dedication to do things uh, day in day out um, and it doesn't have to be massive um you know massive gestures or anything like that it's just small little things that you chip away at every day um, and at the end will make a big difference um, as well it's about showing up when you don't want to show up I mean everyone has bad days everyone has days where they don't want to go to work where they don't want to train even full-time athletes like um but it's about showing up on the bad days and doing something um, and every little helps so yeah I think it's just about being consistent and being being disciplined which is which is easier said than done but even on the bad days just showing up to the gym or showing up to training and giving it what you can even if it's 20% less than it was yesterday it's it's adding something to the bank. Can you give us a bit of an insight into the the Irish senior women setup, the professionalism the the what the players bring to it give us a bit of an insight that I would never be able to get an insight into and how professional is this team and you know what what can we what have you learned from the other players involved yeah um I think well 
I'll answer it to the best of my ability. I think some of the senior girls now, the likes of Louise Quinn um, or Arusha or any of the girls who have been in, you know, in and around the squad for a long time would have a better perspective just because I think the professionalism within the women's sport has come on massively in the past kind of five years. I've obviously only been involved for the past couple of years, but, um, you know, 95% of the girls now are full-time, are all in full-time setups, you know, in, in loads of different countries. So everyone brings their own experience and their own professionalism. And that's, that's fantastic to see how everyone does it differently, you know. Um, so the setup is fantastic at the moment. The competitiveness is unbelievable. I mean, the, the standard of training is is really, you know, fantastic. When we go into camp, like everyone is given 100%. Um, and you never really know who's going to start, you know, coming into camp. Even though, you know, a set of 11 have started in the previous competitive game, there could be, you know, two, three changes at least um, for, for the upcoming game. It's just about who's performing. And um, so it just goes to show that, you know, everyone is is working hard and training, which is fantastic because it brings up the level and then it brings up the level for all of us going back into our clubs then after. So, um, no, but I think just the fact that everyone is, is almost everyone in the squad now is full-time um, is, is massive and it brings a lot of kind of competitiveness, but also professionalism day in, day out in terms of how we train and um, how we carry ourselves around, around camp. Is that competitiveness the big difference between kind of the club level to international level or is that is the full-time professionalism that's also attributing to that as well? Um, I think, yeah, I think it's just just the, the, the standard of the game. You know, everyone is playing, also the fact that everyone's playing in different countries, everyone brings something different to the team when they when they show up to camp, you know, um, whether it be slightly more kind of, athletic or slightly more um tech you know that technical ability um like the Denise O'Sullivan um everyone just brings a different spark uh, to the session and we all learn from each other so um it's great you know we're not all work or all playing in the same league um and as I said between technical ability physical ability tactical ability um we all bring different things to to, to the team when you get to that level is sport more physical, mental, tactical? What is the kind of the biggest pillar of, of all of those factors you've just mentioned? Yeah, um, I think I think definitely the biggest pillar would still have to be the kind of physical aspect. You need to be able to play a 90-minute game um, at a high intense level. So your recovery rate, I mean, something that Vera goes on a lot about, your recovery rate needs to be um, very, very good. So you need to be able to kind of... Um, run you know a hundred yard burst or whatever it may be um take you know a 10 second break and then do it again so that's definitely the biggest pillar i think at international levels being able to do that over and over again for 90 minutes um you know i think the mental aspect does come into a lot more than what people think and you know for example like coming into the irish setup um being able to, to to be okay with you know, one day starting and then the next day not starting and just being able to be your number, you know, your teammates number one fan, that's really, really important. And that's about being you know being professional about it and and wanting the best for everyone. So I think of course, yeah, physical aspect is is massive when it gets to, to this level, but also mentally just, you know, being confident when you're with yourself and your ability, but then um being being respectful of others and, and understanding that you know these fantastic players around you and everyone wants the best for each other like that's kind of come up a couple of times in episodes that it's 
you're so selfish in the individual preparation and you don't go out drinking you don't you know you let's say your non-football friends you know you're you're probably you know sports people have to be selfish to get to where they want to go to let's say to represent their country but then when you get to the point of representing your country you can't be selfish because then it's about the team it's about the, the unit it's not about you as an, as the individual yeah exactly um i think we're all as elite athletes we're all super super competitive with ourselves and um, which is which is great obviously because it, it has allowed us to get to you know where we are today but then you know being able to take a step back when you get in, you know, into the international camp um, and set up and, you know, wanting the best for everyone and wanting the best for the team and for the nation and, and you know, just wearing the badge with pride and understanding that, it, like I said, the standard women's football is growing so fast um, and to understand that there's thousands and thousands of players just like yourself who deserve the opportunity um, to, to play too. So, um, yeah, look, as I said, it's just fantastic to be involved in that team and especially with the standard at the moment um, it's a privilege so um you know whether or not you play it's just about taking on the chin and, and wanting the best for those around you wanting the best for the team speaking of playing can you describe what it was like to get back and and to represent your country after all of the setbacks you've just talked through and <laughs> i can see the smile already on your face yeah um i've had a surreal kind of past six months really um i mean to think that what it's the 11th of July today I wasn't even back playing competitive football this time last year and wow. um, yeah I think my first game back for shells uh, was kind of around the 20th of August so in about five weeks time so how you know what a difference a year can make um, is, is massive so um, yeah it's been an unbelievable year for me um, as you know I've said on social media like I thank shells a lot for the support that they've shown me you know getting back onto the pitch last season and, and supporting me through in the last few months of the season um and then yeah I mean I have a lot to thank myself for too I think and, and it's important to recognize too and, you know put in so much hard work throughout that ACL rehab um and and waiting and waiting and waiting for my knee to be ready um, and trying to as I said work on those little things that maybe I never had the time to work on before and and, and so that when I did come out the other side of the ACL rehab that you know my body would be kind of in a good place um, so yeah, no, I've, and, and look, obviously Vera gave me the opportunity to come in uh, in La Manga camp back in February um, when Lee Farley had to pull out. So, um, you know, that was an opportunity for me to come in and, and show how hungry I was and how determined I was to kind of stay within the setup going forward. Um, and luckily that's been the case so far. As I said, that may not be the case the next camp. The standard is growing all the time. There's so many girls who deserve the opportunity. So I'm very thankful I have been involved uh, since then. But the hard work continues and you have to kind of prove that you deserve to be in there every single time um so but no look it's been it's been an unbelievable six months in particular for me and um long may that continue obviously now I'm in a full-time setup which hopefully will give me a, more, uh, a better chance to kind of be consistent um player within the senior team and that's all I can hope for really absolutely after your debut I've seen people texting you you know kind of acknowledging what you've done from from their perspectives but was there a moment where you kind of were sitting by yourself and you said you know you kind of acknowledged everything you've gone through and just said <laughs> I did it like I kind of I, I actually got through it all and I, I've, I've reached where I've wanted to go yeah um for sure I mean like playing against Sweden was a dream come true and you know in a competitive game in a massive stadium with whatever it was 10,000 people watching us um live on tv um it was 
unbelievable experience. As I said, I'd only got back playing about seven months before that, and I, here I was making my competitive debut against world number two. So um, it was unbelievable. Um, I think the, the moment of realisation for me came probably more so against Russia in the manga. Um, that was my first um, cap as such at senior level, and that was something that I really, really just worked so hard to get to after everything, the Hodgkin's lymphoma, the ACL rehab and, you know, making sure that I got my undergrad, making sure that I got my master's, making sure that I got my work experience in taking off all those personal boxes for myself. I'm not saying everyone needs to do that at all, but that was what I wanted to do. And then still come out the other end and get that senior cap was unbelievable. You know, I played 90 minutes, got player of the match. Like it was a dream first cap for me, um, albeit not a competitive cap. It was, it was unbelievable. And then to be able to go on kind of two months later and get my first competitive camp against cap against world number two was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, as I said, I have so many people to thank for um, on my journey, but I also have to be proud in, in, in the sense that, you know, I put in so much hard work over the years to get there and um, I can only hope that there's more to come. I recently interviewed um, Tom Elms and we spoke about that that Sweden game um, and he said we were brought back to reality fairly quickly coming home. Um, but for, for Irish football and for for women's football in particular how big of like how big of a result is that game do you think this is kind of not a don't want to say monumental moment but how big is that world number two to come out with that performance is this kind of the the kind of the start for this team moving forward was that kind of the benchmark that you realize look, we're actually really at this point because maybe last year maybe there was questions that you were but I think did that performance for you as a as a team kind of help you realize that we're actually really here and, and at this level yeah, I think so. It definitely showed that we're getting closer anyway. Um, I think anyone watching that game will see that, you know, we had our backs to the wall for most of the game. So in terms of it being a real even game, I don't think anyone can say that. Um, I think we defended, um, you know, exceptionally well. And obviously we um, scored a fantastic goal, you know, good combination play between Megan um, and Katie. So we have it within the team. It's just we're just a few years behind those big nations. And I think you know, you ask that question again and maybe even three years time, um, I'm sure I'd be 100% agreeing with you. So we're definitely edging closer and closer. Um, of course, being able to do that away from home as well was massive. So I think we definitely have it. We're just a few years behind and um, I, I don't think we're quite there yet, but we're definitely um, on the right track. And as I said, having the resor- more resources now, having equal pay, having nearly everyone in the squad going full time, um, is 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 massive um, and I think if you look at those big nations all of the girls are playing full-time and um, all of the girls financially um, are, are pretty secure and able to give 100% to their football which you know we haven't been in that position for until maybe kind of we're not even quite there I'd say yet but we're, we're you know, only arriving at that stage now so. Okay as a player I've, I've kind of spoken with with other guests about this but not only from the financial backing but for yourselves to get someone like Sky on board and to see the country come back and, and support players how how is that for you as a player just to see that support for for yourself and know they're coming to support us and they're supporting me and not only financially but to, to even the attendances and the games and the live coverage for women in sport what is that like oh it's it's been fantastic like it's been un- unbelievable really like and um, it really does give us that extra five percent when you're playing um, and when you're getting ready for games just that excitement building and um, it 
people don't think it, it makes a massive difference, but it really does. Um, and I mean, you've talked about talk to some of the professional, even male players who played in empty stadiums during the pandemic and the, the effect that that had on them. So if you think about us who are used to always, you know, having empty stadiums and then now we're starting to kind of fill up stadiums and, you know, what that brings to us, the confidence levels and the excitement. And and we deserve that. And it's it's definitely that extra 5%. I mean, people kind of say that off the cuff, but it definitely is true. Um, and it, it does kind of get us over the line in, in the dying moments of the game or whatever. So, um, no, it's, it's massive um, and long may continue and hopefully kind of well, we'll, we'll continue to grow not only in, in, in soccer but in other sports um, as well and uh, for, for women. For you Chloe where do you get your confidence from is it so it was there anything kind of maybe coming after the injury did you suffer with that or is there any sort of routine um, not routines but more exercises or anything you just find great comfort in and kind of building your confidence as a footballer? Probably something that I have struggled with throughout my own career and um, self-confidence on the pitch um I I mean it's I spoke to someone about it actually had a couple of sessions with someone when I was getting back playing this time last year about kind of trying to regain that confidence um as a player um and I'm gonna openly would say that um I don't know I think it'll it'll probably it's probably something that will come naturally now with going full-time I think confidence comes from the work that you've put in and so when people ask me a lot like you know, mentally, how do you feel about getting back playing post ACL? Do you have worries about tearing it again? Of course, it'll always be a worry, but I never worried about you know getting on the pitch, going into tackles or anything like that. I never really worried about that because I knew I put in the the rehab. I knew I'd put in the hours to feel confident about my you know my knee, my leg going into competitive sport again. So, I think confidence comes from putting in the hours. And I think when you know you've been training at a high level day in, day out, you can probably go into international camp, for example, knowing that you're in a good place. And um, I think I've only kind of started feeling that way through the hours that I put into my ACL rehab. But, you know, being a bit more professional over the past couple of years, having more time to put into to my athletic side because um, I wasn't able really to do that through my education and I was working but now I had the time to raise the yeah, rehab and now I have the time hopefully um, at, at Bristol. So I think my confidence will just grow naturally um, from having more hours put into to football. Goal setting, I suppose, was that ever something you did maybe particularly during the injury, kind of sit down with yourself and kind of map out, not map out, but kind of just sit down and say, look, in five years or at, by the end of my career, because sport unfortunately doesn't last forever, yeah. I want to achieve X, Y and Z. Was that something that you, you would have done, particularly maybe during the injury or coming back from it? Yeah. So when I spoke to that and I had a couple of sessions with that um, um, individual about kind of building confidence and getting back on the pitch, we definitely set goals for myself. Um, obviously, the first goal was getting back playing. The second goal, I think, was getting into the starting 11 at Shelburne um, and then, you know, Following on from that, the goal would be was to get back into the international setup, and then the ultimate goal really was to get my first senior cap. So, um, hundred percent, it's not something that I've really done, um, up until a year ago. Um, never really set goals because I think everyone you can only do your best. I think it's important to have kind of small goals, um, but generally speaking, it's just not something I've ever really done until, um, getting back from my ACL rehab. But yeah, that's. 100% you're bang on the money that's something that I did a year ago um and luckily I managed to to reach those goals um but I don't like setting you know 
you know, very difficult goals on myself because I think life is hard enough and everyone's doing their best and you just got to roll with the punches and roll with the highs and the lows. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how things have been for me. I love that because I find sometimes when you when players set goals on themselves and because like it's not like sport is is it's not kind of linear like it's completely yeah it's you know those kind of graphs that go up and down up and down when you set a goal and you don't reach it it's kind of it's like no matter anything else you could have done it's just because you didn't achieve this one particular thing you wrote down that yeah then you see it as a failure and it's not a failure it's just life getting in the way and I think yeah I think it's tough setting goals um for for sure I just think need to be kind to yourself and you just need to make sure that you're working you're chipping away at something every single day and as I said some days you'll make a bigger leap than others but as long as you're doing something every day that's the most important thing it's one of my favorite questions I think you have a good answer with this um no pressure or anything um what would be your definition of success or not maybe definition is maybe too strong a word but is there anything that like how do you measure success um from everything you've gone through is there anything you know just for you what's your experience and kind of personal um kind of I don't know how to say it, but your definition of success without being a definition. God, <laughs> oh, that's a very difficult question. Um, I think, I think success is probably being happy to an extent, being content in maybe a few different aspects of life. I think if you're succeeding 100% at one area of your life, is it really success if you're not, if you you know, if you're not happy in your relationship, if you're torn up about the relationship you have with your family or you feel like you don't have friends to lean on or um I don't know I think I never really look at success as being kind of the end goal for one thing and um, I think you know especially with the mental health crisis at the moment it's important to make sure that you're making progress um, and for me success is probably just making progress day to day um uh, in a few different aspects of your life so are you continuing to, to develop relationships with your friends are you d- continuing to work on um your snc for club are you continuing to you know visit your granny on a sunday or <laughs> whatever it may be um i think it's just you know continuing to make steps forward uh, week on week um in a couple of different aspects of your life for me that's just being successful um there's no there's no end goal <laughs> because when you reach that end goal, it then it's then it's kind of like asking yourself what next. So I mean, when I I caught up with that individual that I had a few sessions with, um, after after my first competitive calf against Sweden, and he's like, so you know, how do you feel now? You've ultimately you've you've reached that goal. Um, how do you feel now? And I said, yeah, I feel happy, but I still, you know, I definitely could be happier, you know, and I definitely feel like okay, well, I feel tired now because now I need to kind of set another goal or now I've got more to, to work towards. And there never is an end goal. There, as, as Matthew McConaughey says, there is no yet because you're just going to continuously have to work towards something else. So, uh, yeah, I think success is just making progress day in, day out um, and don't don't focus on one single thing. Make sure you kind of have different, different um, areas of your life to kind of improve on because sometimes life gets in the way and certain aspects of your life will get tougher than others I love that answer and that's something a lot of Olympians speak about it's like they train their whole life for this three-week event and then the three weeks go by and you're like what, what do I do now exactly yeah. it's like as sports people it is very difficult like we train our whole lives for these like even let's say for the the women you know the under 19 tournament you train your whole life for this moment and even the, the girls that just under ACL turn their whole life to represent the country and go to the Euros and then it's gone yeah second 
yeah, I know. Yeah, so life is life is crazy, and um, I just yeah, just don't take anything too seriously, and just keep working away and keep making progress every day in some aspect. Exactly. Speaking of making progress, uh, you're signed a professional contract with Bristol City. Talk us through that opportunity. You know, obviously, what do you look? What did you look for in a team, and and how how excited are you to sign with them and start the season with Bristol? Yeah, um, I'm so so excited. I've had my first couple of sessions now last week, and um, back to it tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to it already. Um, I'm looking forward to to maybe seeing how much my game can grow. Obviously, I've been balancing football and education and work my whole life. So I'm, I'm excited to see how much my game can grow. Um, I'm excited to kind of give myself a break as well. Um, as selfish as that may sound, I've had such a tough time, I think, balancing the two um, to kind of a high level over, over the past few years. Um, so, you know, to be able to be given that opportunity to focus, um, not solely because I never want to be kind of wholeheartedly focused on one thing, but, you know, to, to, to give football my all, which I haven't been able to do, is, is an exciting prospect for me. Never something that I really dreamt of, to be frankly honest, and uh, maybe that's a very different answer to what you'd expect. But for me, growing up, my dream was never really to be a professional football player. Um, but but I think when I tore my ACL and the work that I put in to get back, um, kind of uh, it kind of made me feel as if I owed it to myself to give full time football a, a bash and kind of see how much my game could rise and could develop just solely focusing kind of on that and um, to an extent so um yeah I'm just I'm excited to do that I'm excited to develop more relationships with with people um in a new country I love doing that you know I spent a year in Bordeaux I spent a semester in Lisbon and developing networks um in different countries is something that I enjoy doing as well being kind of a, from a multi um a multinational background so there's a lot of pros that come from moving away um, as a professional football player. So I'm really, really excited to, to explore all of those, not just on the field. Um, but of course, that is the main reason that I'm here. So no, it's, it's massively exciting. Um, the club facilities are fantastic. The people are so, so lovely um, so far anyway, for sure. And I'm sure that will continue. So, um, you know, both, both the staff and the players have been so welcoming and nice to me. So I think that was the main thing for me making such a big lifestyle change for me and the most important thing for me was to find a club where I could feel um, comfortable being away from home Um, and I think that is another aspect of you know kind of going full-time something that scared me about doing that was dedicating my life to one thing and that's something that I've never really done before I've always liked having kind of um uh, kind of as I said dabbling in a few other areas to make sure that you know if one didn't go particularly well I'm still being able to kind of plunge myself into another one so that's something I, I hope to be able to do now once I'm fully settled is you know start to learn how to cook better start to maybe kind of do some volunteering start to get back to art I loved to art and um, growing up so just making sure that I can find other outlets when there'll be days and said there'll be losses that will be tough to take throughout the season and stuff and making sure that I can bounce back from them not only on the field, but also um, outside from a mental perspective. What do you think you're going to bring to the team from all you know your experiences at every level? And um, what do you think you're going to bring to, to that squad and not only on the pitch, but off the pitch? Yeah, hopefully um, hopefully on the pitch, I can I, I can bring quality as well. I mean, the, the standard is fantastic here. Um, hopefully I can bring my own quality as well. Um, it'll be a fight you know, for the starting 11, but that's what you want um, to, in order to improve. I think off the pitch, I'll bring you know, a lot of experience from, you know, from, 
from what I've gone through throughout life. And, um, you know, I think we've quite a young team here at Bristol. Uh, I think I'm like, I'm the second oldest, but, and I'm only turning 27 at the end of the month. So that's a bit crazy to say, but um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, just bringing, you know, experience from, from my life um, and experience from, as I said, living in different countries and different perspectives will hopefully be something that um, will be well received um, in the team. And I think that's the reason why, you know, when I was speaking to Lauren, that the manager, she she saw that in me um, and that's what they were looking for, you know, to bring on some quality players, but experienced players and, uh, and kind of um, few more older individuals that could bring that um, outside experience to the team. Something you mentioned there earlier was podcasts and I know you listened to the High Performance Podcast. Was, is there anything in particular you've learned from from that, from those guests, from from Jake and Damien, from the lessons they've discussed and the values that their guests bring? Is there anything that just stand out for you from from that from listening to that show? Yeah, God, so many. I mean, when I was going through my rehab and during the pandemic, all I was doing was kind of walking and because I couldn't, couldn't run for a lot of the period of time and I was just walking a lot and listening um, oh, so many. But I think the main one I've already touched on is, um, you know, it's, it's your, you can't affect what happens to you, but it's your responsibility to be able to react accordingly. Um, so I think that's the main thing that I've learned from listening to that podcast is all these successful people that go on that podcast have failed numerous times or have gone through such difficult periods um, throughout their life. But what's allowed them to finally reach a certain level of success is how they've responded from those difficult times. And that's the main thing is just it's your responsibility to react accordingly and to react in a positive manner when something um, negative as such happens to you. So uh, that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned from listening to that podcast. Okay, very good. Everyone can go listen to that podcast after you listen to all of my episodes. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to the sideline seven. It's the same seven questions at the end of every episode. At uh, question one, what is your favorite quote? Um, I have a quote uh, in my Twitter uh, bio, and it says, um, "It's not the world against you; it's just you against yourself." Uh, and I think that's a fantastic quote for, especially for someone like me. I'm. I'm more competitive with myself than I am with other people. Um, probably not something I should openly say, uh, given I am in, in a team sport. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes it can be easier to think that easier to think that um, oh, woe is me, and why is this happening to me? And you know, this isn't happening to all these other individuals who are thriving. At the end of the day, you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Um, and at the end of the day, the biggest competition is just what yourself. Um, and it's just about you know just about you know being honest and open with yourself and working towards your own personal goals and the world no one is no one is against you no one cares enough in this day and age about other people they only care about themselves so just keep working on yourself and stop thinking the world's against you and just just react positively to to, as i said to negative events brilliant love that a question to you what's the best sporting event you've been to and you can pick one as a fan and one as a player oh um as a player i'd say definitely uh, the world university games um i was lucky enough to go to two of those one in taipei um, and one in naples and they're just unbelievable events they're essentially like a mini olympics um so as a, yeah as a player they were kind of fantastic experiences for me um just to be able to kind of see how these big events unfold so for sure um they'd probably be um top of my list as a fan can you believe I haven't really been to that many big games really and um, so I don't I don't really have a standout moment as 
as a fan yet. Um, although, you know, having been to some of the Ireland senior women's games when I was out injured were, were kind of big moments for me. And um, obviously I was their biggest fan when I wasn't on the pitch. So, <laughs> Is there anything on your kind of sporting bucket list that you'd love to go see, like a particular event or it doesn't have to be football, any particular sporting event? Um, I'd love to, well, just speaking, I'd love to go to Wimbledon. Um, yeah, tennis. Um, tennis was kind of big in my life up until about 14 years of age. I was really kind of dual playing the two sports and kind of had to pick at a certain point just because I'd kind of broken into the Irish um, underage setup and with education, everything was all getting a bit too much. But, um, you know, I played, I played tennis to a high level when I was younger. So I would love to go to Wimbledon and, and see that live for sure. Uh, question three we've, we've spoken about it this uh, already but the biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it yeah um definitely definitely the ACL although it's probably difficult for people to understand that because obviously I went through cancer treatment which is um a massive kind of lifestyle change for someone like myself um competitive athlete but and uh, luckily in my case it was a very treatable cancer um and the process was quite straightforward in the sense that you know six months of treatment I would be in every second week for a full day of chemo um and all going well um in most cases I'd come out the other side being okay and touch wood that has been the case and hopefully it will continue but with the ACL rehab it was um although it was predetermined in the sense that look this is what you do you get your surgery you get you know this is what you do in phase one this is what you do in phase two it was so kind of different experience for me than what I expected before and you know I had a lot of troubles in terms of my rehab my knee was so so cranky Um, and I found that process it was a long process as well it was 18 months versus kind of what six months of chemo so it was such a long process for me and mentally it was it was extremely difficult so they each had their challenges but I think overall and maybe I'm biased because the ACL has been more recent than than the chemo treatment so that does probably play a factor but yeah mentally um I was in the depths at some points and different points in my ACL rehab so definitely that Mm -hmm. the fourth question then kind of on the flip side what's been your biggest achievement on or off the pitch um honestly I think getting back from ACL rehab is probably the one of the proudest moments for me to date and as I said I went through such a difficult time mentally and I went to you know to dark dark places in my head throughout that ACL rehab that I never thought I I would and so you know just getting back on the pitch and getting my first senior cap after everything um is probably my proudest my proudest moment to date. Brilliant looking back what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Yeah I think I mentioned that earlier probably just not take anything too seriously and um, you know just don't take the losses too seriously don't take the successes too seriously and um, just just enjoy life day to day as much as possible um, and yeah just you know don't put too much pressure on yourself in every in any kind of aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Question six who would be your dream dinner guest and why you can open up the table to a few people if you want. <laughs> Um, coming back to kind of listening to podcasts, another podcast that I've recently started to listen to um, is the Feel Better Live More podcast. Okay. Um, Dr. Ranjan Chatterjee, I can't really pronounce it. Oh, podcast. yes. Yeah. Um, I kind of just stumbled across it um, and I listened to a specific guest a couple of months ago. Actually, it was on the way to Sweden with the Irish team. I downloaded this this podcast for the plane ride 
and is uh, Edith Eager. I don't know if you've heard of her. Um, she is a Holocaust survivor. And oh, wow. I was honestly like, I'd never heard of her before. And I was listening to the podcast on the plane and I was literally tears like going down my face listening to it. And like, I was, was like hoping no one would see me. Um, but <laughs> she's just from that hour and a half of listening to her speak was without a doubt one of the most phenomenal people I've ever listened to in my life. And um, yeah, said she's a Holocaust survivor. She talks about her outlook on life. Um, and specifically kind of while she was um, in Auschwitz and how she kind of got through that. Um, I think she, she wrote a book called Joyce, which I still need to get around to reading. Um, but she's, yeah, she's an unbelievable, unbelievable person. I think we've a lot to learn from individuals like that. And uh, they're so forgiving. Um, and how your outlook on life can just help you, help you get through such difficult times. So, yeah, I'd love to have dinner with her and just listen to her speak for a couple of hours. Wow, I'll have to. I'm going to download that this afternoon for my. Honestly, you amazing. won't. You won't regret it. It was one of the most enjoyable listens, and it's it's a difficult listen. Like it's definitely a difficult listen, but it's just it's unbelievable. Yeah, let me know what you think of it after. Yeah, deadly will do. Uh, final question before I let you go: If your life was a book, what chapter would this be called? Uh, new beginnings, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, new beginnings after everything I've been through over the past kind of. Well, since my diagnosis of Hodgkin's lymphoma, which has in 14, so what's that kind of eight years? Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for me. And to finally kind of sign my first professional contract, you know, walk away from a full time job and being able to kind of do what I love is an absolute privilege. Um, so, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, to what the next uh, nine months hold with, with Bristol City and yeah, probably new beginnings. Yeah, so I'm excited. <laughs> I'm going to cheat with this one. I actually want to add another question in. If I was to go back to this time last year and talk to you and say, and kind of go back in time, say, and say, look, for the next year, you're, you're at this stage, you're not even back to football and say you're going to achieve all of this. Yeah. What would you have, what would you have said to me? Oh, it's giving me goosebumps there. Um, I'd say, well... Would, would you have believed me? Uh, no. No, I, I wouldn't have. To be honest, the biggest... The biggest thing for me is signing a professional contract. I mean, it's as I said, it's never something that I dreamt of. I really kind of spent much time thinking about. And now kind of, what is it, 10 months post getting back to playing, I've I've signed my first professional contract with, you know, a really ambitious club, hopefully a club that will be pushing to, to for promotion in the WSL. So to think that I could be playing hopefully in the WSL in a year's, you know, in a year's time is is fantastic considering you know where I was um just 12 months ago so um no it's actually it's not something I've really thought about but um yeah it is pretty crazy and um yeah I have a lot to be proud of you know given the hard work I've put in but a lot to thank other people for as well for, for supporting me brilliant look Chloe thanks a million for joining me on the podcast and I just want to wish you the best of luck with everything on and off the pitch I'm looking forward to seeing how you fill your time as a professional player yeah. with all these cook with all the cooking and everything you do but yeah, um, yeah, definitely come back to me in a couple of weeks because I need someone to put the pressure on me so that I don't just end up like a bum and not making the most of my time. So, uh, I can, I can, I, I can hopefully fill you in on some things um, in in a few weeks. But yeah, thank you very much for having me on, and thank you, you know, for everything that you do as well um, as a podcaster and, and developing women's sport as well. We really appreciate that. So thanks for us. A massive thank you to Chloe for joining me on the podcast today. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat and I hope you got something from it. I'll be sure to leave all of our social media links in the description box below. And I just want to wish her the very best of luck moving forward. 
If you are enjoying the podcast, please do leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does help the show grow. Massive thank you for all your support to date. Be sure to follow us over on Instagram at the Sideline Live for more.